Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to Thursday's edition of the programme with what I can only describe as a kind of a scratchy throat this morning. You know that when you wake up in the morning and you you think that you've swallowed a bag of razor blades. It's just hopefully it'll pass quickly and it'll be OK and we'll get through it and then we'll get through the programme if uh, nothing else. John Paul is taking your calls at 1850 You can text her WhatsApp 86 to a uh, We have another one of those fantastic family passes to give away to Jack and the Beanstalk at the Everyman. Our tickets are for Wednesday the 18th of December. It is a very special showing of the pantomime because we kick it off with a VIP reception from uh, six o'clock. As we've been doing all this week, a little bit later on, we will give you a clue to a person, a panto character who's trying to climb to the top of the beanstalk. You've got to work out who the person is and then be caller 10 with the correct uh, answer and caller 10 will pick up that family pass. And don't forget, of course, Jack and the Beanstalk, it's traditional cork pantomime, opens at the Everyman and it is opening on November 30th, so this Saturday night and it runs through until January the 12th. You can find out more at Everyman. Uh, everymancork.com but your chance to win on the programme uh, today so stay listening out for that the printer in the doll this is the story that certainly is not going to go away and I don't know why I'm laughing about it when you look at the amount of money the 1.3 million that was spent on this printer it just seems absolutely uh, bizarre and the yesterday the when we were talking about it and we were going through the various costs that were associated with this printer, you know, a printer that started out at 808,000 in itself, 0.8 of a million euro to be spent on a printer seems like a very expensive printer. And it has gone from there to 1.3 million with all the extra costs that have had to be factored in since. And somebody yesterday said, have we any idea why they needed this new printer? Did the other one just give up the ghost and, and die? And you know, what condition was the other one in? Was the, could the other one just, could was it a spare part was needed for the other one? You know, why did they go for such an expensive printer? Well, it seems that the reason that they needed to buy the new printer was the human, someone in the human resources department had decided that there was concerns about the chemicals that were being used in the old machines. So they decided, so if it was something to do with the chemicals, you assume this was a health and safety issue. They were doing it to protect the staff. So that's, you know, good enough reason for me. I don't know if they needed to buy such an expensive printer. But anyway, it was done on the staff's behalf. But then when I thought about that, I was thinking, well, if they did this on the staff's behalf, this is the same. These are the same staff that are now refusing to use the new printer because they want to receive extra money because they need to be trained to operate the new machine. So there's an industrial relations issue going on there with staff in a standoff saying, unless you pay us for the training, we're not going forward for the training. And if we don't get the training, we can't operate the machine. So the machine is still looking shiny and new. There's somebody, is there somebody in dusting it now on, on a daily basis? The dolls 
Public Accounts Committee, we know that they have launched a probe into the purchase of the printer, in particular into the cost of it and the fact the ancillary costs then associated with it, the fact that it wouldn't fit into the room in Kildare House, which meant walls had to be ripped down and structural, steel structural beams had to be uh, put up. The costs now, it seems, are as high as €400,000 extra on top of the actual 800000 for the buying of the machine. And as we speak today, the PAC, the Public Accounts Committee are meeting this morning. John Paul is keeping an eye on it in case anything breaks from this story because the clerk of the doll is expected to deliver a report on the printer. There seemingly now also questions are being asked about the cost of an air conditioning system that is believed to be installed as part of the work. Now that I'm I'm hazarding a guess here. Will they come back and say that they needed to have this state-of-the-art, very expensive air conditioning system? They needed to have that in place to keep this printer cool, I'm guessing. Could be completely wrong on that. Anyway, there's a question mark over this air conditioning unit uh, as well. And the committee, this is according to today's papers, the committee members, after they have their meeting this morning, And after they hear this report on the printer, they're then going to make a decision whether the Public Accounts Committee members, whether or not to go and view the machine and view the building it's housed in for themselves. It's the story that keeps on giving. It absolutely is the story that keeps on giving. We're keeping an eye on the PAC meeting this morning okay and if anything breaks on it we will bring it to you your thoughts and comments welcome to throughout the morning 1850 wonderful wonderful photograph on the front page of the Echo today of the 30 metre high Ferris wheel which has been installed on the Grand Parade it is all part of Glow Glow a cork Christmas celebration and Glow begins today and it will now run from today every weekend in the build up to Christmas and there is the most wonderful Christmas atmosphere every single year at Glow and if you want to get into that Christmas spirit and the Christmas atmosphere then head on down to Glow the amount of work that goes into it uh, really is uh, phenomenal but the Ferris wheel going up and the skyline in Cork City it's certainly beginning to feel a lot like Christmas when you see that Ferris wheel in place so good luck to everybody involved in Glow kicking off today and as I say running every weekend uh, in the run up to uh, Christmas now coming up on the programme today uh, later on today we're going to hear I was really dis- disappointed and saddened to hear the news that the last nightclub in Clonakilty the venue which is based at O'Donovan's Hotel in Clonakilty will close it will no it will be no more as and from Christmas and it's another one of these closures due to insurance costs I mean back in the summer we were speaking about O'Reardas in McCroom and people were very saddened that O'Reardas in, in McCroom had closed. Well, here's another one and anyone who has who grew up in Clonakilty or spent time in Clonakilty or lived in Clonakilty for any period of time would have at some stage gone, has, has spent many a happy night at the venue in Clonakilty. So it'll bring back great memories 
to uh, people. So saddened to hear that. But is this the start? Uh, is this the beginning of the end for nightclubs? There seems to be. Are we completely moving away from nightclubs? Will they? Will they just? no longer be. I know people are socialising differently as well but nightclubs are nice are, are surely are still places where young people meet and it'll be a sad sign of the times if we never have nightclubs anymore and if we're losing them down to insurance costs. When are we going to get a handle on insurance costs and doing something about insurance costs? We'll be speaking with the Butterman Farmer who is hoping to be the next president of the IFA. The elections are underway for the IFA and the, uh, the, the, the is this John Co- John Coughlin? He's the only Cork farmer going forward, and I believe there hasn't been a Cork president of the IFA. I think I read somewhere for about forty years. So we'll find out from John why he is campaign and how his campaign is actually going. Local councillors have concern around the rollout of 5G. Now 5G will certainly give us faster broadband but are there health concerns? Is it something we need to be worried uh, about? Because whenever we get any of this new technology you don't want it to be something that in years to come we will sort of scratch our heads and say oh we should have looked we should have looked into that in more detail and then we'll be picking up the pieces because there will be health implications because of it. So I think it's only right and proper that if if there are any studies that need to be looked at, look at the studies and if not, do we need to put studies in place to find out is 5G safe before it is uh, rolled out? Cork County Council were discussing it uh, this week. And then we discovered a new group that have been set up. They seem to be set up via social media and they certainly are gaining momentum all over the country. They're a group, group called Care Champions. And they are basically advocating on behalf of people who are looking for home help hours and who are looking for home care packages. People who are either in a hospital, in an acute bed in a hospital, one of the delayed discharges can't go home because there's no one at home to look after them, or worse still, people who have ended up at home and there isn't a home care package put in place. And some carers are under the most immense pressure and strain some and a lot of them are older carers you know like maybe an elderly husband looking after his wife needs a little bit of help in the morning in the evening sometime during the day and just not getting the home help hours and you know anecdotally you'll hear people say that there is an embargo on employing home care workers but yet the HSE are adamant that there isn't any kind of a staff embargo and that if there's a need they can employ people but on the ground we're we're certainly hearing differently and this group um, are hearing kind of similar stories from all over the country so this it isn't an issue that's just affecting us here in Cork it certainly is a nationwide issue so we'll catch up with this group and find out a little bit more about it. It's Thursday so members of Angarda Corner will join us for this week's Crime File and always on a Thursday Jane Pickett will join us she'll answer all our of your pet questions after half past 12 today. Margaret in uh, Charleville uh, works with the Suicide Aware Group in Charleville and she wants to know why the government, how the government can spend so much money on a printer now at a running cost of 1.3 million when there's so much suicide and mental health and homelessness and nothing appears to be done uh, with that. That money could go a long way. Uh, thanks for that. That's uh, Margaret in uh, Charleville. And on health, Vincent in Newmarket says with no confidence mo- motions and votes being thrown around like confetti at a wedding around the door at the moment. Surely a vote of no confidence in Minister Simon Harris as Minister for Health should go a, 
ahead. How can we still have so many people on trolleys across the country? What kind of management do we have in our hospital system? And then John O'Donovan was on to us. Thank you for that, Vincent. John O'Donovan was on at, and he's picking up on the story. I know it made the front page of the Irish Independent today and it's the Fina Gale uh, TD Kate O'Connell. She's a high profile government uh, TD and she, the reason that she's making the papers today, she admitted she was embarrassed to witness the overflowing A&E in Crumlin Children's Hospital. She was had to attend it the weekend with her own sick child. She said she was in the emergency department. She described as the scenes she saw as unacceptable. She said she was so embarrassed. She was sitting there hoping that no one would recognise that she was a politician. She sat there with her child for eight hours, eventually gave up and decided to bring her own child home. And she said her own child, in fairness, was the least sick child there. So she was in the position she was able to bring uh, her child home. And she was speaking at the Oireachtas Help Committee yesterday where she said uh, children should not be forced to endure such ordeals in A&E. She said it's not acceptable. And she said I was embarrassed as a TD. Now it sees Crumlin Children's Hospital has been hit with a surge in respiratory illnesses and because of that they've been forced to cancel most waiting list surgeries for the coming weeks which is devastating on those families of children. Some of those would have been waiting years maybe to get a date for a surgery and suddenly they're going to be getting phone calls to say oh you know that appointment you have for next week sorry we have to cancel that because there's an overflow in the A&E and we need the bed so that's going to be devastating for families as well and the Oireachtas Health Committee where Kate O'Connell was speaking then went on to discuss and have an update on the costs and the progress of the new National Children's Hospital that we know was long overdue it's now at 1.4 billion when we're talking at, at 1.3 million for the printer it's it's dropping the ocean isn't it when when you get into the, the figures that has the BN word at the end, billion, 1.4 billion. And they heard at the, that health committee meeting yesterday that construction was slower than had been hoped. Dear God, is that hospital ever, ever going to open? Anyway, John O'Donovan is picking up on that story and uh, said, picking up on the fact that Kate O'Connell was shocked at the system in the hospital and the pressure that the doctors and nurses were under. But John wonders, are these people not aware of the situation? Are they not listening to members of the public? Have they never been to an A&E before? Uh, John wonders. Well, I suppose that's, isn't that always the case? I think a lot of people know that there's a problem within A&E and I know we would hear from, from people and I would add myself to this list of people that if you went to your doctor or your doctor had to come to see you at home and said, you need to go to the A&E department. I know certainly I would be saying anything but please send me anywhere else. And I know a lot of people feel the same way. But it's only when you get thrust into the situation and you're sitting there and you're sitting there in a children's hospital with a sick child. And in this case, Kate O'Connell was there as a mother, not as a TD, but she was embarrassed to be a TD. And she was sitting there for eight hours. And it's only when... It's, that's the, re, the real raw reality of how bad the situation is. Because, you know, I would talk to people and I certainly would have interviewed people who would have been reporting what has happened to them 
at an accident in an emergency department where a loved one perhaps was on a trolley or was on a chair, didn't even get a trolley or somebody was on a trolley for you know a couple of days or an elderly person and you know dreadful stories, really, really uh, dreadful stories and the amount of times I would interview people who would say Oh, I knew it was going to be bad but it was only when I got there I just realised how bad it was and it's a kind of a very different reality when you're facing it I think yeah I think I mean I don't in any way think Kate O'Connell went into the accident and emergency department expecting that it was going to be like a little mini version of Disneyland and that you know Mickey Mouse was going to rush her in and the, her little girl would be seen by Cinderella and everything would be wonderful I think she probably knew there was going to be a wait but she's really taken aback at just how long the wait was and I think when it's children you're dealing with very very difficult to explain to a sick child why you're sitting on a hard plastic chair and you've been there for eight hours and there's no sign of you going anywhere quickly. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Food markets, Ferris wheel and a fun festive park on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow, open every weekend until Christmas. Hi, Simon here. As you know, Cork has a host of local and world-class brands and it's a great place for shopping. This Christmas, we're asking you once again to make every effort to shop locally. We'd be delighted if you could do your Christmas shopping right here in Cork. Because a thriving local economy is good for everyone. Shop locally and you'll save time, you'll save money and you'll save local jobs. Support your own this festive season and have a very happy Christmas from all of us at C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. North Cork Farmer is aiming to become the first Cork leader of the IFA, the country's largest farming organisation in some 40 years. John Cockham is a dairy, beef and tillage farmer from Butterfield and he joins me to discuss his campaign. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you're, you're welcome. You've been farming all your life. Do you feel the agri-food sector is going through probably the most challenging time ever? Yes. Patricia, it definitely is, and I think look, you can see that by the average farm incomes that have been uh, published there a couple of weeks ago, where we have um, where the average farm income is forty percent under the industrial wage at twenty three and a half thousand euros, and that's the average income. You have the dairy sector, which has is making uh, fair, fairly decent incomes, but you have the beef sector then that is under real pressure where there's no income at all being made. Were you in support of the farmers protesting outside the Dáil this week? Look, absolutely, totally understand the frustrations of the farmers that are outside the Dáil, but I suppose it was the manner in uh, in which they expressed that frustration. I think uh, we need to, to look at a more united approach, I think, from all farm organisations, I think, is the way forward uh, in trying to get, uh, get our message through. Now, for, for those that don't know you, just outline your, your track record within the IFA. Well, look, I suppose I've been in IFA for about 20 years as, a, as an ordinary branch member here in Butterland. And then I was involved in the as representative of the Livestock Committee for North Cork. I was county chairman in North Cork. And most recently, for the last three and a half years, I've been a Munster regional chairman here in, here in Munster. I was elected to that position there um, four years ago. And you managed to do that and do all the farming? Yes, I do. I suppose I'm very lucky in the sense that I have the support of my wife here at home farming while I'm away and I also have uh, everyone around there, Charles O'Keefe, he's uh, our farm manager here for the last 55 years he's with us all, all his life so it, 
between himself and my wife and they've uh, they've maintained the father while I've away. Good, good, good to hear. Now we heard yesterday, John, from a small beef farmer who who described himself as hungry, cold and not sleeping at night. Would you hear of others living in that kind of misery at the moment? Absolutely, Patricia, where there is no income. I mean, beef farming has not provided an income for farmers over the last couple of years. But we've seen that even the figures, Chagas figures will, will prove that beef farmers are not making a living. And I think when you when you go around, you know, around the country and you see what uh, our beef farmers are up against, I think you you have to question I mean, where the industry is going. When you look at the difference between the price that Irish beef farmers are getting today for prime cattle versus the average European price or versus the price in the UK, which is our main market. Like, I mean, we're 45 cent a kilo behind the price in the UK at the moment. And that's totally unacceptable. And what we're saying in IFA and what I'm saying is that the Beef Task Force has to sit in order to look at this industry to, to see where it is going. Look at where the margins are between the retailers and the processors versus what the farmer is getting at the end of the day. And I think that's where the real problem is, that the farmer is taking what's left by the time the processors and retailers are finished. And that can only be sorted out, do you believe, at the Beef Task Force? Well, if you're not around the table, it can't be sorted out. I mean, look, the, the Beef Task Force is, uh, at the moment is showing that it is too, completely toothless in the sense that when it wouldn't sit, it, is, it was agreed six, seven weeks ago and it still hasn't had a meeting. Well, but in fairness, it was farmers stopped the meeting going ahead, John. Well, I think that, that was one day that there was an issue with a number of farmers over the injunctions that are headed on, on two particular individuals. I believe those injunctions should be lifted at this stage and it's up to the department and the chairman of that task force to, to get the wheels in motion to get those injunctions lifted. And I think that could have been done over the last number of weeks. Yeah, it seems quite petty that those two injunctions are still in place, doesn't it? Absolutely, it, yeah, it does. Yeah. Look, and it, just, it just shows the, the disregard that the, that the meat industry and, and the industry as a whole has for the primary producer. And that's that's where the problem is. Look, we have a we have a beef industry at this point that doesn't care about the men producing the beef cattle. Yeah, and I think a lot that one well, a number of people were quite touched by that uh, small beef farmer who contacted us uh, yesterday. You know, and his description of the way he's living at the moment. Because the other side of that is, you will have some people of the view that all farmers, oh, they're financially sound, and sure, isn't the check always in the post? The single farm payment is going to arrive from, from the EU. Isn't there that perception out there among some people? The perception might be there, Patricia, but the, the difficulty is that that check in the post is there to pay the cost of production. Uh, it's the, it's the, the price that per kilo of beef the farmers are getting is not able to produce that kilo of beef. That's why the check in the post is there. And it has been there for the past 30 years in that it was paying the factories originally on intervention and aids into a single farm payment for farmers instead of paying factories it paid farmers we are working on the world market but the difficulty is as Irish and European farmers we are, we are tied into producing beef and other products at a high rate high, very high standard under strict controls and then we are expected to compete against South American imports into the EU which is pulling down the price to the consumer if we are expected to produce to those standards we have to get a price that's going to uh, compensate us for it. All right. Do we very much need strong farm leadership, John, especially with Brexit looming? We 
absolutely do. And I think, look, United, uh, Farham, Lobby Groups, United can achieve something. But if we're going to be dis- disunited, I mean, look, we're we're all working against each other. And I think you need a United Farham Lobby Group. And I would. that's what I hope to do as president of IFA is to work with other, all other farm organisations together so we, we will have a very united um, group going forward. And I think that's going to be pretty important. How's your campaign going? Campaign is going well, Patricia. It's uh, I'm very happy with it so far. Uh, it's a long campaign, it's a hard campaign. We've travelled the whole country over the last seven or eight weeks, and uh, you know, voting has started this weekend. Uh, we're we're uh, campaigning right up. We'll be going right up to the top into December on this campaign. Yeah, just to explain how the voting works. It isn't. It isn't that everybody votes on the one day. No, I, it's every every IFA member is aligned to a branch. Yeah. The local branch there's nine hundred and fifty odd branches in the country and each branch meets uh as in it for an AGM in in the three week period that that started last Monday until thirteenth of December. Every member will get a notification from IFA of when their branch meeting is on and they go to that branch meeting to cast their vote. And look it's there's different branches on different nights of the week. But every member's vote is their own vote. It's a proportional representative vote where members vote one, two and three in all of their preference and each vote is counted. Okay, and you are the only uh, core contender. There's uh, Tim uh, Col- uh, Colinan from Tipperary and then Angus Woods from uh, Wicklow. Uh, okay, and then when are we expecting the result to be announced? The results will be, the ballots will be counted on the 17th of December. Tuesday, the 17th of December. Okay. Oh, and, and then, if elected, how long does the how long how many years do you do you stay it's, in the position? Um, it's a four-year, two two-year terms. Two two two-year two, terms. Two year term. yeah. All right. Listen, we wish you so, good luck with it, John. Yes, uh, thank you. And thanks. And I would urge members to come out and vote at the AGMs. I think it's very important that members come out and have their say. Okay. All right, John. Thanks for that. Yeah. Thank uh, we'll talk again. Bye bye. That is uh, John Cochran, who is running to be the president, the next president of the Irish Farmers Association. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Get into the family festive spirit with a visit to Glow on the Grand Parade. Open every weekend until Christmas. Every Friday, we're counting down to the weekend, the weekend. by turning up the Feel Good. C103's Feel Good Friday brings you six hours of Feel Good Greatest Hits. Join Nick Richards from One and Martina O'Donoghue from Four. As we get you weekend ready. Weekend ready. Turning up the feel good for Cork. For Cork. Every Friday from One. Feel Good Friday. Only on C103. Follow C103 on Facebook. Join us today. Search C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 Now concerns about the possible effects of the new 5G mobile phone network was discussed in Cork County Council this week with two motions dedicated to the issue. One of the motions was put forward by Fianna Gael Councillor Karen Coakley who joins me with her concerns. Good morning to you Karen. Good morning Patricia. I t- you're, you're welcome to the programme. Can you just you start by reminding listeners next explaining what, what 4G is and what's it all about. 
No, Patricia, I'm not going to be scientific. I'm okay. very much about the basics and about keeping it simple. And I suppose just to start by saying that over the last month or two, a lot of my colleagues and myself, we've actually been inundated with emails and with messages. Now, some of these would have been threatening. Some would also have been quite abusive. Neither of us would reply to any threatening or abusive contact. There is no doubt a direct dialogue is always more productive. So as a result of this, I raised this at um, approximately a month ago. I contacted Cork County Council. I asked some questions, but unfortunately, the answer that I got back by letter wasn't what I wanted. So I decided to bring the motion to Cork County Council and asking that they would seek a report on it. Now, just to say that we all want technology, but the question is, at what cost? It's not the cost of our health. 5G is of major concern to many. A lot of people are majorly concerned about the health implications of it. I mean, just to say that um, there, there have been a few studies underway including one by the World Health Organization. And this has begun by conducting a risk assessment of health outcomes from the radio frequency field exposure. Now, a group of experts was also appointed by the Swiss government that was last year to probe the risks involved with introducing 5G. Now, their findings should be published by the end of the year. Now, in fact, when it comes to safety, the industry is quite clear that they have conducted no safety studies for 5G. And it has been recognised that wireless phone networks, if we take 2, 3 and 4G, uh, they all carry negative health effects because of microwave radiation. So public have major concerns about this. There are huge consequences for rolling out 5G for the environment. For 5G to work, it needs a clear path for a signal. Now, we need to recognise the risk. We need to be talking about it. As I said, we do want technology, but not the but, detriment but at, but of at, but at what, at, at what cost. Just go back a second to who are you getting threatening and without naming anyone. What type of threatening and abusive emails are you getting? And about, lot, and, and about what? About 5G? Yeah, a lot of members of the public have been emailing us. I, I expect that they probably think that by sending a threatening letter or email that they will get attention from it. Now, I did reply to one such letter and after that I didn't engage in any. I mean, if there is hazardous and if it is a danger to the public, it's a danger to everyone. As county councillors, yes, indeed, we are expected to, you know, we are we're there to answer questions for the public. And that's what we want to do. We want to ask the questions. But we want to do this together collectively. And having such negativity around it, it's not good for it. And the threatening, so, abusive emails came from people who are against 5G, is it? Now, just to say, that is only from some. There are some. some fantastic people that are doing wonderful research. And in fact, after the last um, council meeting on Monday, I did meet with a group and they're most helpful. They're going to sit down with us. We're going to submit questions together to Comreg and we're going to ask for the answers. As I said from the start, I don't have a scientific background. I just want to, you know, find out what the effects of this are. We owe it to the public and we want we want to keep everybody yeah. safe. You, you, you're dead right. And I think, you know, we need to educate ourselves. We need to find out it's no good anymore in, you know, in 10 years time saying, oh, sure, we didn't know at the time. If there's any rumours or sniff of information or anything that's suspicious that could lead you to think that there are health implications, then it's got to be looked into. I mean, if you even just look uh, around the world, um, Belgium is one country. They've halted the rollout of uh, 5G because, you know, they're, they're saying they don't want their people to be used as guinea pigs. They want more research done. So that should raise alarm bells, shouldn't it, for us? It does. I mean, when you think Brussels being the seat of the European, yeah. European Union, to think they've actually halted, halted the rollout. I mean, this does ask questions. And, you know, people are definitely saying that there are some recognised risks to health. So 
now is the time to ask the questions. I mean, a lot of people have gone off cigarettes and they're vaporing. We're now hearing negative things about vaporing. So now is the time to ask questions. But we need to do it collectively. Yeah. And the motion was very successful. I mean, everybody backed it. We had great debate on it. And this is a wonderful start. But we need to ask the questions. And we don't need, you know, certain groups to be going off on a tangent. We need to work together on this. OK, and I'm assuming the council will bring in the experts because they, I mean, I'm assuming they don't have the expertise to do this Not type of study. All. I mean, none of us are experts on this. I mean, you know, we're all concerned. It's the health for people. It's the environment. We need to ask the questions. And now is the time to do it. Yeah, somebody's saying it uh, it releases radiation. That's what we, well, that, yeah, that's what's been spoken about. It is about. actually scary. I mean, once you start investigating, yeah. I've been doing some research on it for the last few months and it is scary. But, you know, as I said, we do want technology, but at what cost is it going to be to the detriment of people? We need to know this now. Yeah, I, and I can see somebody saying, I've already emailed Electric Ireland telling them I do not want one of these 5G smart meters installed in my resident residence there they're installing them in the Bandon area uh, at the moment there are some people nervous now I know the last time we we looked in we tried to look into that for somebody because the smart meter is so small it's a very small amount of radiation but again you know the minute you hear the word radiation it frightens Absolutely. people Absolutely it's raising concerns straight away yeah. I mean as I said none of us are experts and that's why as Cork County Council we agreed that we would get the experts in and we will ask the questions and it's, it's, it's great that we can finally ask these questions and it's all about relaying the fears of the public. I mean, we've been voted in to ask these questions and that, that's what we're there for. So let's ask the questions, let's get the answers and try and move on. OK, come back to us as soon as you get any more on that, uh, Karen. I'd be, I inter- I'd be interested to hear more. Listen, thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us. Just before we go, could I ask everybody as we're approaching Christmas season, just to shop local, you know, <laughs> yeah. local shops, keep it local, shop local, support local keep the money in the community. A lot of the lights are going on, in particular in Skibreen, 4.30 Saturday. So let's look after our own communities and shop local. Yeah. Thank you and so even much. if people just, you know, even if you just transfer some of your spend locally, it just goes so much further. It really does. Spend local and keep local jobs. All right, Karen. We're trying to get Happy Christmas to you Thanks if we don't talk. Bye-bye. God bless. Bye-bye. That is uh, Councillor Karen Coakley. In the next hour, we're going to be speaking with a new group that has recently been formed. They're called the CARE champions and they have been formed. They're a nationwide organisation of just ordinary people who are trying to get together to highlight the lack of home care packages and the lack of home help hours that are available all around the country and the effect that it's having on people. We'll hear from that uh, new group. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We had a call in in the last hour. My apologies that I didn't get a chance to mention it. That to tell us that there are delays on the Mallow to Kildarry Road this morning. It seems there is hedge cutting going on and because of that there's a stop and go system in place where they not hedge cutting it's tree cutting is going on and it's causing delays and a couple of drivers have been on to say would you just let people know and be careful and be aware of it and slow down and be expecting it more than anything okay that's on the Mallow to Kildarry Road tree cutting and it is a stop and a go now lots and lots of calls and comments coming into us on farming when we were speaking with John Coughlin who was hoping to become the next president of the IFA with their election underway. I think it kicked off on Monday was the first of the meetings where voting took place. Jonathan in for Moy, listening to John Coughlin talking about farmers, talking about how hard and how difficult it is for farmers at the moment. John says, once again, here here, here we go. What about businesses? If businesses
businesses are not making money. There's no check in the post. There's no single farm payment. There's no grants for them. What happens to businesses when they're not making money? They simply go bust, says Jonathan in Formoy. Joe says the owners of the meat factories are swallowing up all the money that's coming in from Europe. Yes, there are single farm payments, but the single farm payments are being handed over to the meat factories. Farmers are getting slated for this from consumers saying that they've lots of grants, lots of checks in the post while it's the meat factories that are the ones making all of the money. The meat factories actually get more money from Europe than farmers do. Sorry to John and from Oye here. He was, had a question for John Cochran was wondering about the glass scheme but unfortunately didn't see the question in time. And Michael in Rathgormack agrees though with what John Cochran was saying about farmers' income being so low. But he also had a question that unfortunately I didn't get to. He wonders how could John Cock, how can John Cochran and indeed other potential presidents of the IFA justify the high salary paid to IFA uh, officials? And then that got me thinking and reminding me of remember all the the fallout when when a lot of people, especially farmers, discovered what was the pay of many officials within the IFA. We were discussing it here for weeks. It eventually led to the outgoing president of the IFA. It was back in 2015. It was this time, November the 26th, 2015, the outgoing president, Eddie Downey, resigned over what at that stage had been a week-long pay scandal of the IFA. So that was at the end of 2015. And then in 2016, a year later, the IFA revealed that the president's salary had been reduced. It had been close to €150,000 a year and they reduced it at the end of 2016 to just under €100,000. It was €98,333. But that was in 2016. And then looking at the archives, I can see a piece from 2018 where the IFA were refusing to clarify details of the President's salary, which had gone back up to 120000 So I'm assuming it's at that sort of figure at the moment, 120000 And that very much upsets farmers, particularly farmers when you think of that man I'm still thinking of that man who contacted us yesterday by text the beef farmer who was cold and sad and hungry and he had had another, another night he said, where he hadn't been able to sleep with the stress and the strain of it all and when you get farmers like that who are paying their IFA membership and then you hear figures like that, you know, people find it very hard to justify somebody going to bed hungry and not being able to sleep against somebody who is getting over €100,000 a year even though the type of work that goes on in those jobs and the amount of travel and the amount of time that that president would be away from home and the pressure that's involved with it. It certainly isn't a bed of roses, any of those jobs. But anyway, uh, thank you, Michael, in Rathgormick, for your call to 1850 333 103. Can I go back to the printer, please? Pat in Formoy was on to say that the families who are in direct provision and those living, the homeless people who are living in hotels, will be a ver- very upset to hear they won't be getting Christmas cards for their local TDs that the printing press uh, isn't working they live for the uh, Happy Christmas and a prosperous new year from their local uh, TD. <laughs> Rather sarcastically, Pat uh, is on the line with that. Now, the report is out. This uh, I mentioned that the Public Accounts Committee were meeting to today. Uh, and the latest report is out into the new doll printer. Now, I mentioned that it was at 1.3 million was the figure we were looking at. It now seems that the total cost 
of the works for the project is now at more than 1.8 million euro. Oh God, this is getting worse. Okay, the cost of the printer and the other equipment has ended up at 1.37 million. The printer itself cost a little over 800,000 euro. Then there was the works to install at 260,000 euro, which I still want the breakdown of. They had to knock down some walls and they had to put in a steel structure and obviously widen the width of a door or whatever. 260,000 euro would build you one fine big house. How can you, how can it be that expensive to do remodelling work in Kildare House. It just seems like I'd love a breakdown on on that. Anyway, that's what the figure was there. And then I mentioned, uh, okay, there's other then, there was other ancillary costs. Further building work was carried out on the building site at the time and it was nothing at all to do with the fitting of the printer. Okay. And that ran to 200,000. That's on top of the 260,000. Are you keeping up here? Are you adding up? Are you writing all this down and adding it all up? Remember I mentioned an air conditioning unit. 138,000 euro was used on the air conditioning unit. The Dahl clerk found that this printer is needed to meet the demands of TDs and senators but raised questions about how the project and the installation was carried out and that's something that the TDs now want more answers to. So they got this report but to me there's even further questions now has been raised. I mean what were the other works? Were they planning on doing those other works or when they started it did they say do you know a little bit like when you might paint the hall stairs and landing and you have it done and then you think oh god the bedrooms now look a bit grubby. Was it a case of that that they started work and kind of thought oh maybe we'll do some extra work as well and the air conditioning unit the 138,000 euro I, I don't know the cost of air condition, conditioning units that seems jolly expensive. Was that needed? Did they need a brand new air conditioning system and, and if so why? So certainly there are more questions so we're now up to 1.8 million euro of your money, my money, taxpayers' money has been used and the TDs, they do not seem happy at all. This is a story that's not going away. We will we'll wait and see what comes out of this. 1850-333-103. Also coming into us by uh, text on 5G. Remember we, meant, we mentioned 5G and we were talking about 5G in the last hour. We've got some reaction in on that. Firstly, a listener says would you please tell the texter who's worried about her smart meter in Bandon not to be worried because the smart meter actually, this is the uh, in order for your electricity we're all being offered smart meters. They've started rolling out smart meters in Bandon is one of the first towns to get the smart meters. They're 2G and not 5G so people don't need to be worried about it because 2G have been, has been around for quite some time it's what most of the uh, mobile phones are used uh, on so if people are worried about smart meters this caller is saying don't need to be worried it's 2G it's not 5G and someone Frank then makes an interesting point he said Patricia more scaremongering this is on 5G um, I work on 5G installations on masts most days and listen to your programme this morning some of what being said is absolute bull. I've worked on 4G, I've worked on 3G and I worked on 2G. I've been working on these now for the last 20 years so if you're to believe the scaremongering I should be riddled with all types of tumours. 5G 
is transmitted on a frequency just like 4G, 3G, 2G, etc. So do we want to live like the Taliban and be in the dark ages? It seems most people want this. Kind regards, Frank. OK, there's somebody somebody in the know who's not worried about it at all and he's actually working on it. The only thing I will straight away say to you, Frank, and I wish you good health and I hope it never comes against you. There was a time where a lot of and, and Irish men on building sites worked with asbestos and we never knew that there was anything wrong with asbestos. And we then found out many, many years later when a thing called an asbestos lung and people ended up getting all kinds of lung diseases, including lung cancer and COPD and emphysemia. And it was linked to asbestos, which at the time we knew nothing about. So I think if there's any query at all, and I know and I accept your point, you're, you're, you're not worried and you're working in it so you know the science behind it and all of that. But the very fact that there are concerns, that people are raising concerns and when we look to other countries, Belgium was the country that I mentioned when I was chatting with Councillor Karen Coakley. In Belgium, the government there had so much concerns that they decided to stop the rollout. They want more reports done, more investigation done, rather than in 10, 15, 20 years time look back and say, oh well there was a sniff of something at the time, but we thought it was going to be okay. I mean do the just stall it for a while. I think that's what, nobody wants us, you're you're right, nobody wants us to be living in the dark ages and everybody wants the best broadband that is possible and the highest broadband speed and we're all we seem to, we, we want everything instantly we want everything now at a touch of a button and that means 4G, that's what people want so you know we need to move with the times and this technology and all of that but just could we just like stall the ball just everybody pause for a sec and let's just look at this and let's just look at the technology let's just measure if there are any emissions and if it's particularly when it's radiation and and I know having and and I know this is a, a, an unfair and, and not this, this, the same comparison but I know what radiation can do you know I've seen it firsthand in Belarus I live with a, a little girl who was born in a very heavily radiated zone and who will pay the price of that for the rest of her life through no fault of her own. So whenever radiation gets mentioned, it does raise alarm bells, certainly for me and for a lot of other people. So that's the that's what I would say on it, Frank. Just let's get the get all the facts and figures. And then if we can prove categorically or even 99 percent sure that there's not going to be any ill effects from this, then absolutely go ahead and let us all uh, move with the times. But if moving with the times is a backward step from a health point of view, then I say stay stay as we are. Stay, stay as we are. And thank you for your text though. Somebody else says, Patricia, why do we need 5G? Haven't we already got fibre being rolled out all around the country at a massive cost, dare I say, to the taxpayer? What's the difference? Isn't fibre going to give us the same effect as, as 5G? That's a, that's a good, that's a good, a good point uh, as well. And I can see other people just very worried about 5G and radiation and all of that and the fact that that gets mentioned. People are just uh, worried. Anyway, that's just some of your texts coming in to us. Dan has been on to us. This is on the hospital situation and the trolley crisis. Dan says, Patricia, it's not rocket science to say that every trolley should have a corresponding bed. It has been acknowledged even by the Troika members that we were robbed of 40 billion euro by EU decisions at the time of the crash. Shouldn't our doll not be seeking redress from our EU bodies? 
thereby allowing us to bring home our nurses and our doctors and open up the beds that are already there. Uh, and that is from Dan. Thank you for that, uh, Dan. And it would be great to think that we would have a trolley for every bed, but we'd, we'd even need more than that. Because if you go into an A&E unit, you'll have people lying on trolleys, but you'll also have people sitting on ch- on chairs waiting to be seen. Uh, we just we need to have more beds and we need to have more beds and an issue that we're going to be dealing with in a moment we need to have more home care packages in place we need to have more home helps available so that we can get the people that are in an acute bed that don't need to be in an acute bed we need to because at one stage we were looking at figures of the delayed discharge these are the people who the hospital has said you're ready to go home nothing more we can do do for you but you need a bit of help you either need to go into a nursing home to be looked after or you need to go home with a little bit of help the help isn't there nursing home bed isn't there so they remain in side in the bed and that figure at one stage and on many days is over because it's always well over 600 it's over the number of people that are lying on trolleys waiting to be admitted so I mean the the answer is there you get the people out of the beds that have been discharged and you give them the support you send them home or send them onto the nursing homes and then their bed becomes free and the poor old devil that's down on the trolley they pop up into the bed they get seen to and then it works like a conveyor belt and on it goes the next few days the next few days but it just it's not working that way unfortunately at the moment it's its not working that way in, the, in our Irish hospitals and everyone's suffering because of it 1850 John Paul is taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs With Hewitt College now enrolling for Christmas Junior and Leaving Certificate Revision courses your success is built on their experience see hewittcollege.ie an experienced bar person is required for work at Springford Hall in Mallow, while a part-time leisure attendant is wanted. That's for the High Bee Fitness Centre in uh, Mallow. Caregivers required for Ovens, Ballancolic, Douglas and Cork City areas. And a person is wanted for drafting and CAD drawings. That's for an engineering company. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is... C103. Cork today on C103. With Cork City Council and Blow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Food markets, Ferris wheel and a fun festive park on the Grand Parade. Visit Blow. Open every weekend until Christmas. Families with loved ones struggling to live at home will know the frustrations of trying to access home care packages. With over 600 people uh, every day classed as delayed discharges, this problem is a nationwide one. A new group called Care Champions have been set up to try to draw attention to the problem. And joining me from the group, Magella Beattie. Good morning to you, Magella. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you're, you're welcome to the programme. Now, just tell me a little bit about how this group came about. Um, really, the group came about, really, through a little rant I had on Facebook because <laughs> we are struggling to get home care ourselves and my mother. And um, people contacted me. And we had a small meeting locally in the Midlands, and we put the, we said we put it out there. We put it on Facebook, and within a week, we were a nationwide group. We had people from nearly every county in the country looking to support us and join us and share our stories and share their stories. And it turned out that every county seemed to be mirroring ourselves, and um, it's just grown like at such a rate that we could never have imagined. It's totally overwhelming. To the point that there's nine of us on a core group and um, we each have different tasks on it. Our phones are just flooded daily with the most horrendous, horrendous, uh, sad calls of people 
in dire, dire straits. Share some of those stories with us that you're hearing, Magella, just to okay, give listeners we, an example of what's going on today. Okay, well, one story that really stands out was one of the first phone calls that we got was a lady who's bedbound. She's 86 years of age and uh, she has a home help three times a day. And one of the latest cuts from the HSE where if the home help is sick, normally you'll get another home help or they send in an agency cover. On this particular morning, this lady got a phone call from the home help coordinator to tell her that the HSE was no longer going to provide an agency cover and she had nobody to come to her that morning and her home her home help would be sick for the week. Consequently, that lady was lying in the bed. She couldn't get out of it without support. And later in the day, she realised she had a number on her phone of somebody who used to come to help her. And she rang her. That person couldn't get to her until 6 o'clock in the evening. And when she got there, she found the lady in bed, cold, hungry, soiled, thirsty, and hadn't had her medication. Um, like, that's one extreme. I actually got that same phone call myself after a particularly tough weekend with my mother. My mother's dementia, and she's waiting on a hip replacement. And she can have um, hallucinations and delusions at night, so I can be up day and night. Um, my mother had a bit of an incident a couple of weeks ago um, where she broke her hip. And uh, I was up all weekend, and I was just living for my hour on Monday morning. I had been up from 10 o'clock Saturday morning. I had not been to bed, and I got that phone, same phone call that nobody was coming. Then we have people ringing us um, where maybe the person is caring for their sick spouse. We had one lady who rang us. She's 77 on chemotherapy. She's got leukemia and she's trying to support her 81-year-old husband who has had an amputation of his leg and uh, he's had a stroke. So when her home health isn't available, she has to try and lift that person on her own, try and attend to his personal care needs and get him in the bed. Like, it's, it's cruel. Every story that we're hearing families where... Young people are on other ends of the country where they have where they're married and have children in school and mortgages and jobs and they're looking at trying to give up their jobs, take their kids out of school, how will they pay their mortgage to give support to their parents that's neglected at the other end of the country. And is there a sense, Magella, and a feeling that the powers that be would prefer if people moved into nursing homes? Without a doubt. Um, I, we've had the same pressure ourselves, you know, uh, I don't have many times the fair deal form has been put in front of me. Um, you know, everywhere you go, there is no support. They're telling you the only place, you know, we can't provide support. If you can't do it at home, maybe you need to look at long-term care, which is cruelly unfair when you consider the majority of the people who are looking, who need this bit of support now, are the people who pay tax at a 48% in the 80s towards mm. their care, so they've already paid first. And also, can I say, home care is a much cheaper option. Without a doubt, and you consider it's €900 Euro a day approximately to keep a person in a hospital bed, send them home. And it's like each carer that's coming in, maximum they're getting €15 Euro an hour. Some aren't getting near that. And some people are only looking for that once or twice a day. And and the Department of Health, Magella, maintained that there's no national recruitment embargo or a moratorium in, a moratorium in place. You disagree? 100%. We have had people ring us where they have a family member on palliative care and they are being refused care. You will only get it 
when you are shown signs of extreme distress, i.e. the last days of life. If if everybody across the country is looking for home care and everybody is being told, no, there is none, there is no help available, there is an embargo. I know we ran a TV campaign and Simon Harris came back, absolutely no embargo, there's no recruitment embargo. There is. And if you disagree, come out and talk to us on the ground, but he won't. But like, what, what reason is given for the examples that you use there, including your own case with, with your mother? If your home help is sick or needs to get a day off and they're saying that there's no agency available, are they saying that there's no person available or we're not willing to employ an agency person? We're not willing to employ an agency person. Well, that person. suggests an embargo, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I rang my own home care coordinator on that particular day when we had that um, when I got that phone call, I rang her back later in the day and I said, look, this is disgraceful. How can you turn to people and say you can't have a home help? She said, my hands are tied. These are the instructions that have given to me. There is no budget. We cannot give you anything because we're not allowed. I mean, that poor um, elderly woman in the bed on her own and obviously has no I mean some people don't have family living around them some people just don't have family some people don't get on with family and they don't have anybody to look and she sounds like she has nobody to help her yeah. I mean what are they expecting her to die in bed and then there'll be a big hoo-ha when she's found dead when the home help returns a week later Exactly we've had home help tell us that they when they have that they're feeling bad taking their their annual leave or whatever and we've had home help tell us so they've come back to find that a person is in their same clothes that they left them in, oh. that they haven't eaten. People are not getting their reminders for their medication. Um, it's cruel. We've had nurses tell us that uh, they have given people the your service, your say, to make a complaint and have been reprimanded for giving them the information to complain. Like we've, we've, we've also ran a, a GP campaign and doctors are sending us letters of support and they're saying the same thing that their crisis is being made worse by people being sent home with no home care support package and eventually the person makes their way back to the GP and is clogging up the GP to turning around and send them back to hospital. There seems to be no um, no accountability for how the health care budget has been spent across the board and it's just been, it just seems to be crazy. You can understand as well when you will hear of people the who are classed as delayed uh, discharges uh, who just refuse to leave the hospital. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. absolutely 100% can understand somebody somebody doing that. And the home helps or the home support workers as they're called, um, are they, are, they're overstretched at the moment and, and doing the best that they can. Absolutely. Like we have amazing home helps and amazing home care workers but they are feeling severe pressure. Like we're hearing from home helps that they're going into homes they, they're only allocated maybe 15 minutes or a half an hour. The person needs an hour a, a number of times a day and they're reporting that this person is a health and risk, safety risk. This person it shouldn't be left on their own and they're going home feeling guilty or trying to come back on their own time, which they shouldn't have to do. And they're feeling the pressure. And then you've got the family carers, Magella, at many of them at breaking point. Without a doubt, you know, one thing that's really stood out in this campaign, and we're only less than two months since we started, is the amount of carers that are sick. And I can totally understand it. You know, I have 
Uh, I would have been sick myself in the past. I would have had cancer. But I have never experienced the mental torture that it is as a carer to be left. You're, you're on your own. You're a prisoner in your own home trying to support somebody and there's nobody there to give you any support. And how is your mother doing, Magella? Uh, at the moment, um, she's having surgery next Wednesday. She's okay. Like, you know, however bad we are, I know there's people an awful lot worse. She's okay. We're doing the very best that we can for her. But I'm exhausted and there's no way people like me can keep going 24-7. Yeah, yeah. Have you other families to, uh, other family members to give you a bit of a dig out? No, my husband is great now, but he's working. Yeah. Um, and like he is great, but of course he can't do personal care needs or and yeah. things like that. But of course, he, he, but thank God he is a great support to me. But uh, but I have no other siblings to help at all. It's tough going. It is. It's it is tough, tough going. Magella, what are you asking people to do and how can people get involved in supporting your campaign? Okay. We are asking people, first of all, when the TDs come knocking, and, um, you know, we need we need home care looked at. We want the embargo lifted. If the embargo is not lifted, people are going to die from neglect. People are possibly already dying from neglect. The embargo must be lifted. We have a Facebook page, uh, Care Champions. We have an email, which is carechampions56 at gmail.com. We can be rang. We you can ring us on uh, 089-4477-018. And basically, we're trying to keep our campaign going, keep the momentum going. We need people talking about this and we need people challenging the government. We need our GPs to come out and support us, our public health nurses, our carers and those in need of care. And most importantly, we need to reach people in every home in this country where there's somebody lying in a bed or not getting the basic support to have a little bit of dignity in their day. We need to know who they are and we need to make sure in some way or another, by lifting this embargo, that they get the care that they need. Yeah, and people need to start sharing their stories and start talking. I think the more people that are talking about this, the more people that are sharing their stories and telling, just letting the government know and letting the HSC know how tough it is out there for people. Yeah, it's cruel. It's cruel. And, you know, realistically, these people are coming out, are being let out of HSC care into very unsafe areas. So you would imagine that the HSE would be concerned that they could be sued. Yeah. Like there's no there's yeah. no common sense in it at all. Yeah, listener says I totally agree with your uh, caller Magella today uh, who who is accountable for the way money is spent within the uh, HSE and someone else is making the point Patricia isn't it ironic that you're talking with Magella today and the need for home help and earlier you were talking about the, the amount of money that's been spent on a printer for Dahl Aaron so they can sp- so they can print Christmas cards and calendars yeah the TDs yeah yeah there's an irony there somewhere alright Magella we we'll still We'll stay in contact uh, with you um, and, and thanks a million for joining us and talking to us on the programme. Thank you and for having me. Continue good luck with the campaign. Thank you we'll very much. Call, we'll talk again. God bless. Uh, bye bye. What a great woman that is. Uh, Magella Beatty uh, joining us from Care Champions. If you want to check them out, as they say, go on to their Facebook page because they've got, I was blown away yesterday when I was on their Facebook page, uh, some of the stories that, you know, people are, are sharing. And I think that's what people need to do. I think because a lot of those stories and what happens behind closed doors is hidden. You know, older carers, elderly people who are caring, say, for a husband 
or a wife or maybe an adult child with a disability, they're doing it behind closed doors. People aren't seeing the stress and the strain. I mean, Magella herself looking after her mother who's a dementia patient who, you know, needs a hip operation, then fell and broke the hip and has to have the surgery uh, done. She needs incredible support in order to be able to look after her mother. She wants to keep her mother uh, at home. But nobody knows what goes on behind Magella's door. So I think, you know, we need to put a spotlight on it and that's where a campaign like this, certainly when I was on their Facebook page, Care Champions, we the stories the people were sharing I think the more stories like that that are shared get the stories out there and I know it's hard for people to open up and tell their stories but you know they can be done anonymously as, uh, as well on a Facebook page like that but you know maybe just maybe by us highlighting it and by enough people talking about it and as Magella said we have a general election we don't think it's going to be this side of Christmas but it certainly will be in the new year start talking about it start and, and just because we don't need the home care packages now ourselves you know come at the day come at the hour we never know when we or a family member will need the, that kind of care and that kind of uh, support so we need to all be speaking up on behalf of those people 1850 John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 086 Cork Today on C103 With Cork City Council and Glow A Cork Christmas celebration Get into the family festive spirit With a visit to Glow on the Grand Parade Open every weekend until Christmas Cork's more music breakfast Wake up with Simon Murdoch Weekday mornings on C103 Getting ready for the weekend and for the toy show, of course, on tomorrow's show. Plus, you might be starting your Christmas shopping this weekend. Could you do with nearly two and a half grand to spend? That's brilliant. Thanks a million. I didn't expect this. (laughs) Your chance to win tomorrow, plus loads of Cork's greatest hits and helping you through that tricky Friday morning traffic. Lovely talking to you. I love your programme. See you in the morning from six. Cork's More Music Breakfast. With Dano's Centra. Spa Glen Mallow. Enjoy a fresh start every morning with Dano's Maxol Filling Station. Frank Honest coffee, deli, and bakery. We're going to the station for this week's uh, Guard the File with Sergeant John Kelly. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. And we start with house break ins, and this is house break ins where there were alarms in place. Yeah, um, we've seen a, a spike at, at the moment for f- the last five days, uh, the 22nd to the 27th, right? We've we had about 10 break-ins in, in those 10 days, and that's quite a lot. I mean, we, we had a period there for five, five days running, and there was no break-in across the entire division. But um, there's, there's a seasonal spike at the moment, and just for people to be aware of it. Now, what, what is unusual in a couple of them um, was there was alarms in the house. The alarms were on and functioning. Um, to take listeners back there to Saturday last, uh, Saturday the 23rd there last, between... Uh, 1210 um, at uh, Bally Daniel West in uh, there, it's in Tupat House, there was an alarm activation. Um, They got into a rear uh, bedroom window, they they were after Jimmy and it opened, but in in this case the intruders fled. They got spooked, we believe, by the alarm activation and they left straight away. So that was exactly 1210 the alarm went off. Now, in that particular case, we're looking for a black Peugeot uh, hatchback. Now, it had a Watford reg, but it was very noticeable because it had a noisy exhaust, very, very noisy exhaust. There was one witness, and he described it as he thought it was a motorway coming when he heard it. 
you know. Okay. Uh, we believe that car a couple of days later was seen in the Donnerail area. So again, that was that was Saturday of um, Saturday just gone uh, a break in there at at two pot house. And if the public have any assistance with it, uh, we'd be very happy to take any calls. Well, the alarm proved its worth because the alarm went off and the burglars fleed. Yes. But that wasn't the case in Mallow. That wasn't the case at, at, at one in Mallow. Um, at the one in Mallow, um, and and I suppose what's more unusual about that in, is that it's in, it's in a town location. It's ca- Castle Heights. Um, the alarm went off there. The, the injured party, first of all, left uh, home at uh, half one in the afternoon. They got a call from the alarm company at uh, ten past two that the alarm had had gone off. So they got back to their house by about uh, twenty-five to three. By which time uh, the, 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 the perpetrators, you know, had gone. They had entered. They exited. Uh, took some property, but. In that particular case, we believe we're, we're looking for a different car. Even though there's only an hour, uh, hour, hour and a half apart from the one in Tupac House, a different car we're looking for. It's a 182D uh, Golf kind of charcoal grey colour. Now, we, we don't know how many in each car, uh, but uh, normally those burglary teams, you could have two to three. It, it would be most unusual to get a loan operator. Um, but it was a 182 Golf uh, in this particular charcoal grey in colour. Uh, but again, it's an unusual uh, that a house would be broken into, you know, which which was alarmed, you know. Yeah, and in the middle of the day. And in the middle of the yeah, day. Yeah. And, and in relatively town centre location, you know. So I suppose it's just brokers and maybe, uh, we can't say yet, but it could be a, a sign that they're kind of changing their... Uh, changing their methodology as well, or the fact that now so many houses have alarms. Uh, one time you could go around and 90% of houses didn't have alarms, but now an awful lot of houses, uh, you, you know, are getting alarms. So, but, you know, so you need to look at, if you have an alarm fitted, that you also have a small safe or, or other uh, a plan in place to slow slow them yeah, down. And, you, ne- and you need to make plan. sure that it's switched on. The amount of times I hear from people who've got alarms and they don't switch it on, you need to have it switched on as well. There was another break-in in Mitchellstown. Another break-in there at the cross of the Grove in Mitchellstown on uh, on Tuesday last. So that that occurred, that occurred very uh, small time period there, 20 past 8 in the morning until 20 past 9. Now, in that case, the house, again, was rented, uh, entered from the door, you know, House was ransacked. Uh, lucky enough, there was nothing taken. But again, we find that those uh, couple of crime gangs—you know—it's possibly more than one. But they're running at the moment in, in an area North Kerry, South Limerick, uh, across uh, across North Cork, uh, going across from Mallow, Charleville to Mitchellstown. So okay. I'd ask uh, people living in those areas to be vigilant. Yeah, to be vigilant, you know. Um, there was no, uh, another one there at uh, a centre there in Butterfant. Now, in, the, in that particular case, the security is excellent. So they were, they were in, but they were out as fast. Um, and they got away in, in a dark-coloured Audi A3. So again, three cars, a dark-coloured Audi A3. Uh, we had a 1A2 uh, charcoal grey Golf. And we had a, a black Peugeot hatchback with a Watford wrench and a, a very nice exhaust. So there are three of the cars now that are in the mix, you know, for having done crime recently in the last 10 days in the area. But again, I'd say to, you know, people just to be vigilant for any suspicious activity and ring it in. You know, we're not going to 
we're not going to give out to you on the phone that you're wasting our time on that, you know. But yeah, and don't assume that somebody else has, has, has phoned it. That's, uh, a, that's a very bad ringing. Yeah. Now, and uh, finally, some uh, advice on fraud. Just a, a quick uh, word of advice on fraud. I suppose most businesses would like to think that they're protected against fraud, but fraud against Irish businesses is on the rise. We can see it here, here in Formoy when we check the system. The, like, the majority of financial frauds, they still use the telephone and email to commit the crime, but the frauds themselves are increasingly sophisticated. You know, uh, that there's an element of social engineering involved. Uh, it could be that they're after hacking an email from a company that uh, the, the company's already doing business with. You know, and the sums of money involved, uh, you, you know, are increasing all the time. So we'd, we'd say to businesses, number one, to be very careful um, if any company that they're doing business with uh, sends them an email um, that they are after changing their bank to make sure that they orally communicate with that business with uh, with whoever deals with the invoices uh, on the other side to make sure that uh, they verify that this is indeed correct. And, um, I, you, you know, it may be that some companies are now even beginning to use encrypted email uh, end-to-end, you, you know, for that purpose. Now, for the general public, they also need to be very uh, careful as well. And there's a number of different what we call vishing techniques to be particularly aware of. Okay, first of all is the guy that rings you up, the persuasion. So even if you are very tech-savvy, you know, fraudsters are just very, very smooth talkers. You know, they're able to get you to do things that you wouldn't normally do. You know, some of what they do as well, um, they can even play sound effects, you know, in the background. So, so they make it sound as if, you, you, you know, you're, listening, you're talking to somebody in a call centre because that is the background noise would suggest that it's a call centre, you know. Um, sometimes they will utilise fear tactics, pressurising you into thinking that you must act quickly as your money is in danger. In other words, you need to move, the, you, you need to move your money fast that you, you could, they could even say that, you're co- that they're cooperating with the, the Gardaí and this is an international um, uh, crime investigation. Yeah, you know? they're, they're, they're very clever at what they do. Very clever. Yeah. Uh, what I've come across as well, phone spoofing, um, where uh, you get a number, uh, a number coming up on your phone. It looks to be like uh, maybe a, a Mitchell Sound number or uh, a Middleton number, but it's it's actually, the ID can be fake to hide the origin of the call. Yeah, it's it's, it's anything but. It's anything yes. but. All right. Okay, we'll leave it there, John. Listen, thank, thank you, you for that. And thank uh, thanks for joining us. And we just want everybody to stay safe, please. And that is Sergeant John Kelly joining us from Formoy, a guard this station. 1850-333-103. We've panto tickets to give away in the next hour. We will be answering your pet questions uh, with Jane Pickett. If you've got a pet question, get it into us. We're also hearing about the sad news that the venue the last nightclub in Clonakilty is going to close at this Christmas and we will catch up with your calls and comments 1850 lines open Cork today on C103 with Cork City Council and Glow a Cork Christmas celebration festive food and fun the Ferris wheel and so much more on the Grand Parade visit Glow open every weekend until Christmas Here at C103, we're giving away shopping vouchers worth a total of €5,000. €5,000. C103's Christmas Covered is your chance to win a €500 one-for-all voucher. Listen at 9, 2 and 5 every day to count the Christmas bells. Then text or WhatsApp the total amount for your chance to win. C103's Christmas Covered. With Dennis and Mary Ryans, where the new 2020 C5 Aircross has arrived. Now open Sundays. See ryans.ie. Only on C103.
You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We have pantomime tickets to give away. I might do these now, uh, John Paul. Yeah, I'll do these now. We have the gang at the Everyman. Panto uh, are going to have dance magic and mayhem at what's described as Cork's traditional pantomime. This year it is Jack and the Beanstalk. It opens this Saturday, November 30th. It runs through until the 13th of January. We have a very special night where we've blocked, booked all the seats on December the 15th and we're our December the 18th and we will kick off with a VIP reception at 6pm. Every day this week I've been giving away a family pass family of four people to go see Jack and the Beanstalk on Wednesday the 18th. There is a question a day you have to work out which character is, is Jack and his mother talking about. Hello boys and girls, I'm Jack and this is my mam, Marjorie Daw. Who shall climb to the top of the beanstalk this Christmas? Go on, have a guess. She lives in Scotland and her mother magically transforms into a bear. She lives in Scotland and her mother magically transforms into a bear. She lives in Scotland and her mother magically transforms into a bear. Do you know which pantomime character we're talking about today? If so, get dialing. I think today's is a bit of a tough one. 1850 Caller 10 with the correct answer will win that family pass and we'll be heading off on Wednesday the 18th of December. Remember, you need to be there at 6 in order to get involved with the VIP reception with face painters, musicians and selection boxes and lots, lots more. More info at uh, everymancork.com. Get dialing on that. OK, I want to go to the phone lines uh, because Pat has contacted us. Uh, good morning to you, Pat. Uh, good morning, Patricia. Uh, you're welcome. Oh, good afternoon. Oh, good, it is afternoon. You're right. It's gone past 12. Now, you uh, were not the only person. We got a couple of other calls in on this to do with a letter that has been sent out by Sk- Skibbereen and Bandon Credit Union. Yes, it's the annual uh, statement that uh, every member gets okay. at this time of year. And when um, you were reading down through it, there's a bit of a yeah, a bit of a blow in it. That's correct. The, the cover letter, uh, a third of the way down, says that uh, in black type that uh, they've made a decision to cease uh, the death benefit insurance from the 1st of January 2020. And the reason that they've given, they say, it's again, well, we're back to the cost of insurance cover being so high and challenging times. Well, I'm sure it's, it's a combination of events, but it seems that they've, they've taken the easy way out. But it's not a question of that. It's a question of uh, what makes the credit union different from a bank, you know? Yeah. And Well, there are very mean, strict rules that make it different from a bank. There's only so much that well, they're allowed to well, loan and et cetera. Well, one, yes, of course, everyone get, uh, as appropriate can get a loan. But, uh, I mean, the, the credit union was always distinctive in that their members were more than just a bank customer. You know? Well, they're members. Yeah, but I mean, like, uh, death benefit and that there. I mean, some of the older members will remember when on death benefit they would double your money. That's, yeah. And and the latest one now, or the last one, was uh, on death benefit was 1300 And uh, now they've done away with that. But, but but what people don't or what nobody knows is for many people there's twenty eight thousand members 
So uh, how many of them die per year and what is the cost? Well, it says in this, in, and by the way, we have contacted uh, Bandon, uh, Skibbereen and Bandon Credit Union. We've emailed, John Paul tells me twice this morning, but we haven't had a response yet because I'd, I'd love to chat with somebody from the credit union. But in the meantime, all I can go on is the letter that they, the cover letter that they've sent out. And they say it is down to the cost of this death benefit insurance. And they, they looked back at their costs and they say that annually the cost is now... 25% of their total operating costs is going on insurance cover. Yes, but the, the situation is more complicated than that uh, because, um, uh, I mean, like, there's such a thing called bad debt. Yeah. And they have to make provision for that, about a couple of million, right? Yeah. And that's a big problem. You know? And... Uh, they have uh, high overheads as well, you know. Okay, so but they they do say but they do say the loan protection and the life savings insurance remains in place. The loan protection will mean that your loan is repaid in full in the event of a member's death. I mean, that's what makes yes. the credit union very different. When you're saying, what's the difference between that and a bank? When you if you die, your the bank will go after your family for whatever loan you had out in the credit of union. Course. That's that's still getting written off. Yeah, the banks are very ruthless. But at the same time, we expect a lot more from the credit union. Okay, and you're just, you're very disappointed. Is there an AGM? Is there an, has there been an AGM? There has to be an AGM. No, not yet. Not yet. But, yeah, but the thing I'd like to say is that uh, one of the problems as well is that uh, there's, there's only uh, 25% of the people or 20% of the people take out a loan and, and that's big. And that's a big problem. Yeah, that not enough people are taking out loans yeah. is, what, is what you're saying. Yeah, and, and that's every credit union is facing that battle. Yeah, and they're also worried about people with over thirty thousand. Chance would be a fine thing, but they're worried. <laughs> about, they're, they're, no, they're worried about people with over thirty thousand because they have to have money to back that up. So that's a whole load of uh, what you call a risk assessment, right? Yeah. If anything goes wrong, so. And they're also paying interest. So, like, I don't think they should pay any interest at all. This is the dividends you know, that they pay last, out. Yeah. Well, see, last year, the, the, the interest was about 100,000. That's all the rich people, right? They, 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 well, you can't say all the rich people. Every, every member who has savings would get the dividend. I know, I know. I'm being, yeah. I'm being facetious. Okay. But the thing about it is, uh, that went from over 100,000 last year to about 25,000 this year of interest paid to members, right? Yeah. So, if I've got a solution to the problem, right? Okay, what is it? There's only 20% of people taking out loans, right? If everybody who had a fair bit of money, right, just got a loan for a thousand, right, which is which is 20 euro per week, right? Yeah. Now, they don't have to take out these loans, right? But if, if everybody got a, a thousand pound loan out and just spent it in the town, right? Yeah. How fantastic would that be? And, Everyone and, would benefit. And, and, and four or five thousand people done that. that they, they would get ten percent interest on that, right? Yeah. And they could they they could maybe reinstate the death benefit. Yeah, but you can't. I mean, yeah, that in, in an, yeah, that's a, that's an we, ideal we, world, Pat. But you won't get it. You can't force people to take out a loan. 
No, but the thing is, a credit union is different because the members feel different about their institution. Mm. Nobody feels anything about a bank, you know? Yeah, okay. Are you going to go to the AGM and raise your concerns? Um, no, because uh, there's a lot of people who will be listening to this. <laughs> you should raise your concerns I mean that's the other thing that's different about a credit union versus a bank they do listen to the members so I, I would suggest going along and, and voicing your concerns and as I say we've sent an email off uh, to uh, Skibbereen and Bandon Credit Union and if we hear back to them and they want to join us to explain more uh, we will of, of course uh, allow them the airways thank you for that um, Pat as I said we did get a couple of other calls in from people who were disappointed to see that the death benefit uh, insurance is gone this is for Skibbereen and Bandon Credit Union remember every credit union is autonomous so they all operate separately I did see in the paper in Grona Broher their death benefit is gone uh, as well I know there was a campaign to try to get that reinstated but I'm sure I saw that in, in the paper today that that's gone as well Okay you can stop calling us on our Everyman Panto tickets because Sheila O'Leary Knockbrogan in Bandon was able to tell us this And the answer is Merida Merida, there you go. Well done, Sheila O'Leary. Not broken, inbound, and you've won a family pass to go and see Jack and the Beanstalk on Wednesday, November, Wednesday, December the 18th. It's this Saturday that the Everyman are opening with their pantomime and it runs through until January the 12th. Check it all out. Uh, at uh, everymancork.com um, You can stop calling us this day. We need to clear the clear the phone lines because if you've got a pet question can you get your pet questions into us please because Jane Pickett will be here to answer all of your pet questions so get those into us. A couple of quick texts in. Uh, hi Patricia I was a home help for 15 years. I stayed with a lot of my clients extra time in particular one lady I would stay with her every day and she just wanted the company. She found the day very long so yeah telling you some of the home helps are, are go way above and beyond the call of duty Hi Patricia good morning to you I'm listening to you my blood pressure is uh, rising not your fault thank you God almighty what kind of a shower have we did none of them have a measuring tape in Dáil and for that blood B printer spending our money on breaking down walls etc thick or what it's like living in a third world country look at our health system we're closing homes for the disabled there's hospitals we've got overcrowding we've got no home helps we've got elderly people that that put this country together and those creators can't come out of hospital as they have no one to cook for them no one to help them no one to look after them it's a disgrace that B word has been used again and I know it's not a full curse but not everybody likes me using it it is a true saying a fish rots from the head down they should be ashamed of themselves thanking you uh, Patricia somebody very know that's to do with the whole printer debacle and we did get Still getting in texts on 3G versus 5G. Frank is back on to say, Patricia, you haven't a clue. And I put my hands up and say, Frank, I do need to educate myself when it comes to 5G. He says, you are now mixing up, this is me, non-ionising radiation and radiation from a nuclear power plant. More scaremongering. They are two completely different things. And actually, Frank is uh, right. There is a lot of confusion between ionising and non-ionising radiation. Um, And it's non-ionising radiation that we're told comes from 5G 
light is I think it's the fact that the word radiation gets gets mentioned ionising radiation which is would be the same as light isn't it and that's the, one of the reasons that we have to wear we wear suntan lotion and all of that but anyway according to Frank very different and we see that's what I mean get out the information bring the information to people put the reports uh, together and let's see where we go from there Christine in Cork uh, reckons that the smart meters are 5G not 2G even though we have people saying it is 2G 5G is stronger than 4G and 3G there's no need for it says Christine it's just creating more of this radiation people should get their facts straight says uh, Cor- says uh, Christine and Cork we are not in the dark ages but we don't need this at 5G and then Mike from Cork says this is interesting the, uh, this is my email the highest emissions is actually 2G so the people with the old Nokia phones are the ones who are most, most susceptible it depends on how far away you are from the base station the further away the higher the power the new phones the 3, the 4 and the 5G have better emissions because it's spread over many frequencies so the power is much much lower don't know why there is scaremongering when people were quite happy with the Nokia Three, three thousand one hundred that came out twenty five years ago, and there was no one complaining back then. And someone else says, "I work in telecom, and I believe it is not five G has less emissions than four G." I believe. Oh, this is good. Belgium pulled out. Remember, I mentioned Belgium is the country they stopped the rollout. They pulled out because Huawei, Huawei, you know, say that a Chinese export in base state, a Chinese expert in base stations. It was security rather than emissions. Oh, that's worth. That's, uh, I hadn't heard that before. Uh, thank you for uh, that. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls and particularly your pet questions, please. Text WhatsApp 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Darina Allen will cook for Christmas. That's happening uh, tonight at the Grain Store in Ballymaloo. Tickets including a raffle for the dishes that Darina demonstrates are available through Eventbrite. It's a fundraiser for Cloyne Cathedral. Cork Deaf Association are giving a free taster lip reading class um, today. You can uh, contact the Cork Deaf Association for more details. They're based at 5 McCurtain Street in Cork. Drumahan Community Park Group are currently fundraising to construct a walk and lighting in the park and they're holding a grand draw in February with the first prize a Kia Picanto car they're currently going door to door selling tickets to 20 euro each they're also available at Hickey's Bar and Kelly's uh, shop a coffee morning cake sale and raffle will be held in the Arches Bar in Mallow tomorrow morning from 10am proceeds in aid of the Hope Foundation and your support would be appreciated and the Bandon Art Group of a coffee morning tomorrow also from 10am in the Perfect Cup in Bandon they'll be launching their 2020 calendar with all proceeds going to the Bandon branch of St Vincent de Paul and Santa at the Strand is a Santa's Grotto style experience which includes festive Christmas market refurbishments and much more it'll run in Lismore from Thursday the 12th of December to Sunday the 15th it's a fundraising event for St Carthic's Rest Home which is in Lismore bookings will close on Monday the 2nd of December 
So you need to go online and visit Santa at the strand.ie. Cork today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Food markets, Ferris wheel, and a fun festive park on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow. Open every weekend until Christmas. I have to say, I was saddened to hear yesterday that Clonakilty's only nightclub is to close on Christmas Day. Why? spiralling insurance costs. Joining me, the owner of O'Donovan's uh, Hotel and the venue nightclub, and that's uh, Dina O'Donovan. Good afternoon to you, Dina. Hello, Patricia. Uh, I'm not too bad. How long has the venue nightclub been running at O'Donovan's Hotel in Clan? Well, we've always been a disco hall and hops back in the day. Yeah. Younger people wouldn't understand that, but I say about 20 years ago, we rebranded as the venue and ran a nightclub then, because nightclubs became fashionable back then. And when did insurance start to become an issue? When did you start to see it go up? Our insurance started to climb about five years ago. We noticed um, major increases. And in the past year or two, it's almost unsustainable. And sometimes we wouldn't have got that much notice from our insurance company. You know, we wouldn't have been able to make other plans or anything. And then when you go to a your phone, just just move around a little bit. Your phone is just drifting out a, a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's difficult to get a good quote from any insurance company, you know. The, the quotes are off the wall. Give us a ballpark figure. Well, our insurance jumped by about 20,000 from last year to this year. Oh. Um, um, you know, to insure the, the whole hotel and the nightclub is costing us about 1,400 a week. That's incredible. Like, you're not talking about the insurance going to 20,000. You're talking about it jumping by 20,000. Yes. That's crazy. That is just well, uh, crazy. The judiciary will have to do something because uh, if, if all the nightclubs and all the late bars and the creches and the adventure centres, when they're all closed, it's a big loss. A lot of people out of work. And it'll take 10 years to get all those places back into action again, really, won't it? Absolutely. Have you had many claims? We have had we some claims, but nothing that would warrant... Nothing major. Jump. I think it's kind of a national or maybe even a world problem at this stage. I mean, because that, are claiming that's, more yeah, that's another, that's another issue that we have. Gone are the days when somebody had a slip and you dusted yourself off and you got up and you walked away. And you hoped nobody saw you like Absolutely, because you were mortified for fear anyone saw you fall over. Uh, whereas now it's even before you go near a doctor, you're calling your solicitor. I mean, that we, we this country is being crippled with, Absolutely. with it's insurance. Absolutely. It's a problem and I think it's only going to get worse. I think they do need to step up to the plate and do something about it. How has the nightclub scene changed? The nightclub has changed quite a bit in that um, a couple of years ago, we'd be have a quite handy crowd in early in the evening, like we'd open at about 11. By half 11, there was a bit of a queue at the door, yeah. and we were nicely filling up at about 12 o'clock. Nowadays, people hang around at home, drink at home. They go to, might go to their local pub for one, especially in the town centre. They might have one or two in the local pub, and then they're queuing up at my door now at about quarter past one. So I'm making less money anyway. So we're being squeezed both ends. One, one we're getting, having to pay more insurance, and two, we're actually taking less income. So it's a, it's a problem. Yeah, and you, you still have the staff and everything else that has to be paid um, when, on the night. 
those charges haven't changed. In fact, they've probably escalated as well. You know, uh, wages and door security and bar exemptions, you know. All these things must be paid and a DJ. And then there's a lot of maintenance with nightclubs, the nature of uh, crowds. The nature of crowds is that there's a lot of carpet cleaning and tidying to be done the following day, you know. We spoke with O'Reardes Nightclub in August when they closed after 30 years in, in business. We're going to see a lot more. Oh, I'd say this is only the tip of the iceberg, I would think. Because I know a few other places around would have given us little phone calls and said, my God, you know, are you with the same insurance company as me and all this kind of thing? And they'd all, we'd be discussing over the phone. But you do, you will see as, as people's insurance um, policies are becoming due, there will be more issues. And that's why we're closing Christmas Day, because it's a happens that our insurance is up around now. So will you open in the lead up to Christmas and then? We'll be opening right up to Christmas. Yeah, yeah and, and then that's we'll, it. Wow. We'll be finished then. Wow. And um, reaction locally to it, um, Dina? Well, people are horrified because they're nervous now of a kind of a night out. Where are they going to go? Will they have to hire a bus or a, get somebody who's an on-drinker to drive them to Kinsale or the city or wherever? Because they're calling in Kinsale too, as far as I know. So I think as we move along, there'll be less places. But I think the scene might change. The scene will have to change somehow. Either people will have to, you know, make a night out in their local pub and all go home to bed early, or maybe maybe the judiciary will, in the next year, catch up with the nightclubs closing. I don't know. Yeah, and is it also true that the town's community bike scheme, which is a fantastic scheme and the only rural scheme bike scheme in the in the country, is that under threat because of insurance as well? It's it is the bicycle scheme. We, the insurance company, has made contact with us and said that they're not really willing to quote for the bicycle scheme, and that's only oh. small money, small enough money anyway. But um, we haven't had an actual answer from them. They were kind of giving us the wind up that we would, we may have no bicycle scheme. It's due for renewal in May, so we will run till May. Um, but it's my brother Tom kind of looks after that and he is in the horrors because he's saying after the last three or four years of quite a successful little scheme which is run between all the different hotels in the Clannacilty area yeah. uh, what are we going to do if we run short? and we, we've never had a claim there has never been a claim on the rule so there's, there's no justification for for putting never up never been a claim Ah, okay. Onward. It's sad, really, but anyway, it is really sad. Onwards and upwards. How is, overall, onwards. how is the hotel? Are, are you busy? What's it like? Oh, yeah, we're coming along nicely now. A couple of Christmas parties booked and nights out and staff parties and that. You know, there's a little river rush always up to Christmas and a couple of good busy nights. So we look forward to that. And your trad nights, they always go down. They're still going, going strong. Trad nights, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, business is very good otherwise. So we're, we're happy enough for that. Usually that one little corner of the business has to take a bit of a a bit of a closing. But it's, we, it's, we a real pity. it's a, it's a real, real shame. And just one final thing, because I spotted this on your Facebook page. You, did, was it a kayak or a canoe you found it on the beach? It was a canoe because it was, it was upside down, stuck into the sand. And I thought it was a kayak. But uh, a couple of neighbours and myself, we tried to dig it out. We failed. So we had to wait for the tide to come in. The tide came in and brought it with it. And it turns out to be a canoe. So we've cleaned it down. We actually have it in safekeeping. But I have it up on... The Instadani Facebook page and Ring Facebook page and um, our own Facebook page, and I put it on to you as well. But somebody somewhere is missing a red canoe to see three people. And um, it's in good nick? 
Dina has it. Well done, Dina. You're some woman. Listen, um, continue good luck to everybody and, and everyone involved in Adder Donovan's uh, Hotel. And as I say, we are saddened to hear that the venue nightclub will be no more. But listen, thanks a million for joining us and talking to us on the programme. Good morning. Good afternoon to you. Bye bye. Bye bye. The, the, the lovely Dino Donovan of uh, Donovan's Hotel in uh, Clan. Yeah, it's the the changing nature of socialising as well, isn't it? That people just don't seem to be going to nightclubs, but it's when they're all gone. That's when people are really, really going to bemoan and um, will be really, will be really giving out and saddened that nightclubs are no more. Uh, somebody says, "Wish Dina and her twin brother Tommy a slightly belated happy birthday." It was last Tuesday. Kind regards, says the texter. Thank you for that. She's gone off the line, unfortunately, but happy birthday if Dina's still listening, along with her twin brother uh, Tommy. Okay, time to do this. C103's Christmas Covered. We're giving away shopping vouchers worth a total of €5,000. With Dennis and Mary Ryan Bishopstown, where the new 2020 C5 Aircross has arrived. See Ryans.ie. And yesterday we left it up to Martina to randomly select one of the calls, large number of calls and texts we received into our Christmas Covered competition. And she spoke with Lauren and asked Lauren to tell us the correct answer. 11, 3 at 9. Yay! Do you hear that? (laughs) Do you hear that? (laughs) That applause is specially for you, Lauren. Congratulations. Are you there with somebody that you can share the news with? Yeah. Who are you with? My grandmother. Oh, what's her name? Esther Ross. Uh, hello, Esther Ross as well. I'm sure uh, Lauren is going to be spending some money on you or passing on a bit of that voucher maybe before Christmas. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> what would your plans be, do you think, now that you're going to be uh, getting that uh, 500 euro shopping voucher? Spoiling everyone. <laughs> Definitely. And remembering to spoil yourself as well, yeah? Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. Okay, that was uh, yesterday. Thank you to Martina. There was Lauren Ross from Carrigaline winning yesterday's €500 all-for-one shopping voucher. Hopefully you've already counted the numbers, the bells at 9 o'clock this morning. You need to count the bells at 2 and at 5. And then after Martina rings the bells at 5 and you have the number, then you just get dialing or texting to 1850-333-103 and one lucky listener gets the call back and if you're able to identify the number of bells that we rang on in the day, you will have won for yourself a €500 Euro all for one uh, voucher. We've got C103's Christmas covered with Dennis and Mary Ryan with the new 2020 C5 Aircross. It has arrived, open seven days. See Ryan's.ie. Cork today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Get into the family festive spirit with a visit to Glow on the Grand Parade. Open every weekend until Christmas. Egg is Farlin, C103 Air Kirkig.
if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at bluenile.com you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And uh, Jane Pickett, our resident vet, joins me in studio from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. Good afternoon to you, Jane. And you are very welcome. I've, the, I've got your microphone on now. Good oh, morning. Hello. Hi, you're very welcome. <laughs> OK, uh, let's get straight into uh, questions. Jim, and I promised Jim because this came in at the end of last week. What age should a pup be before they are neutered? He's got a seven week old at the moment who would now be eight. This was last week. Okay, perfect. So um, I think this is a great thing to think about. The earlier we do this, as long as they're mature, the better really. Normally, I would say that a pup is mature enough to be neutered at six months. Okay. Okay. Now, for some very, very, let's say, large breed dogs, sometimes we like them to be a little bit older, so maybe even six, eight. Why? Um, Sometimes they can just take, they mature a little bit more slowly than that smaller dog. Your vet will have their own 
opinion on when is suitable to neuter, but the vast majority of us would say between six, eight months. Now, later than that is not a problem. The one thing I would say, though, is for the ladies, there's a really big advantage in spaying them before their first season happens, okay, and before one year of age. And, and what I'm, age would the first season start? First season. In a small dog, sometimes it can be anywhere from eight months, nine months, that kind oh, of thing. That in early, a bigger okay. dog, sometimes it's a little bit later. Sometimes okay. it can be early just over enough, a year. Though. Yeah, early enough. Um, they're all a little bit variable. Generally, the bigger dogs happen a little bit later. The smaller dogs happen a little bit earlier. But they don't always read the rule book. Okay. Um, the really big advantage is that if we neuter them before they're a year and before they have their first season, we dramatically reduce their risk of breast cancer later in life. And by dramatically, I mean over 90%. So if we get in before they have their first season and before they're a year old, we really help their their longevity later because, let's say, unfortunately, let's say lumps and bumps within the breast are a really, really common thing. And you would dogs. see that in... All yeah. the time, yeah. all the time, well. all the time. And it's, it's very serious. Now, I think there's a lot of kind of old wives tales out there that were historical things that at one point in time were thought to be correct like oh let them have a season let them have a litter before they're spayed I remember and that we, one and it was the same yeah, for cats so yeah. they need to have one litter first no, and they don't no they don't they really don't they don't have let's say they don't have a a concept or a need to be maternal in the same way like unless they end up having pups and then the hormones kick in and all that yeah. that kicks off but no for them if you're not going to breed from your dog, and I would say unless you've had a serious think about that and it's something you want to do and are very serious about, I would say if you're in any doubt or if you know you don't want to, to breed from your dog, get them spayed and have a chat to your vet about the timings that they prefer. But generally, he'll be at about six to eight months. Okay. All right. And you do, you're doing yeah. the right thing, uh, Same Jim. goes for cats. Could you please offer advice? Six-month-old golden retriever, snapping and biting. Now, I've tried ignoring and walking away, mm-hmm. but I'm not having much luck. Ah, Six okay. months of age. This is a really, really challenging one. I think well done. Trying to ignore and walk away is a really great thing. You're essentially just trying to make them understand that if they nip or bite, they're ending the fun, not creating it. The last thing is they want a reaction. So I think our caller has done a really good job trying to ignore and walk away because generally in a vast majority of cases, repeating that every time the play maybe gets a tad aggressive or a tad too rough Um is is enough to dissuade the behaviour as long as you're really consistent with what you do. I think if you're having trouble with snapping and biting at this point, um, it could be two things. It could be play, as in play biting, teething. We're maybe a little bit old for that at six months. Um, It could also be, I suppose... (sighs) depending on the situation it could actually be genuine aggression although in a young dog as long as they've been brought up and socialised well and I think given that our caller has taken the sensible step of kind of trying to you know be quiet and you know walk away and Which make it really boring Which is good advice Yeah I, 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 would, I would expect that you know this dog is, is very well cared for by the sounds of it and has a very sensible owner by the sounds of it Um I would wonder if at this junction it will be a time to get a behaviourist involved um, because certainly with a Labrador, they do turn into very big, strong dogs. And if our current strategy isn't working, I think it might be time for professional help. Now, have a chat to your own vet and they'll know who in the local area is available, has the appropriate qualifications is really important. OK, um, there is lots of great advice out there. 
There's also lots of not so good advice. So making sure your behaviorist or your dog trainer is appropriately qualified and the best person to let you know who they know and have had experience with in their local area is your local vet. Yeah. 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 So yes, I, I think find somebody. Uh, yeah, I think before so. it becomes any more of a problem, it might be best just to, to nip it in the bud, as it were. OK. All right. Here's an interesting one from a listener who has said, help please with my cat. Um, my cat wanders off, can go anywhere up to a mile or further fighting with feral cats. I've had mm. a couple of expensive of vet bills mm-hmm. including one for where the tendon tendon was bitten into, into oh the no. leg by the way my cat is neutered but mm-hmm. it's like he goes looking for these feral cats he was back I had him back at the vet again last week with mm-hmm. his nose and eye cut and he's just arrived back in again limping he's, he'd been missing for three days oh goodness this can be a real challenge because Cats will be cats. Because yeah, um, well, usually when they're neutered, they stop that, don't they? They, they do to a certain extent, but yeah. it's like ourselves. Some of us are very adventurous. Some of us like to, you know, stay and have a quiet night on the sofa and relax. So we're all a little bit different and cats are the same. Some will be real home birds, hang around. And as long as they have enough food, somewhere to pee and somewhere to sleep, they have all their resources covered so they won't need, feel the need to roam very far. Others will just want to roam and see what the world is like and they could be the challenging ones. Now, I think well done for neutering your cat. That's a great step. But sometimes they can still get into fights even if they are neutered. Some of them just might rub other cats up the wrong way or vice versa. Um, or might be invading another cat's territory, particularly if they're traveling quite a long way. And we do know that um, there's been some incredible studies actually done in the UK about, um, let's say, GPS trackers on cats and their roaming area. And it's it's astounding. It can be up to a few miles yeah, and that's their regular for such a daily. small little animal. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, which I find totally fascinating. Now, what we can do about this It's a little bit challenging. I think I would make sure that your cat is comfortable in its own surroundings, has somewhere very well defined and safe that it can sleep. Um, If it's indoor or outdoor, has some litter trays inside just so it feels like it can stay inside if it feels like it. It can go outside if it can't. Um, Make sure it has regular feeding times and that um, if it's, let's say, being fed with other cats, maybe try feeding it away from them just in case they feel there's any kind of competition for key resources, as it were, just in case there's anything that's kind of freaking them out a little bit. he's fighting his corner. Yeah, a little bit. As for stopping him roaming, there's very little you can do. Bar keeping him indoors. Bar keeping him indoors. Now, a lot of cats will adapt really well to an indoor lifestyle. And if he's causing himself a lot of grief, getting into a lot of fights, it might be best to consider maybe even partially indoors. What I suggest to some 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 owners sometimes when they have this problem, or even let's say a medical reason why we're you know restricting their exercise or phasing them back into exercises, um, try leaving them out for part of the day, but leave them out hungry. Yeah, so they'll have an excuse back. to come back. That's a good. Um, yeah, that's, so that's a that good, may be yeah. something, but it, that it, might it's work. a challenge. That might work. Uh, ben in Kilworth, a uh, five-year-old cat, her back leg appears swollen. She is limping in good form. It doesn't seem to be hurt when they're when they're touching it, whatever. Mm. But he's also noticed her skin is throwing, showing through a little bit at her neck that okay. he hasn't noticed before. I don't okay. know if the two are linked. That's okay. Um, there's a few things that could be going on here. If it's obviously swollen, I would wonder if there's been a little strain or a sprain um, or maybe even a little swelling around a joint. That's possible. Um, so maybe an injury or even something long term that's just flared up like a little bit of osteoarthritis depending on the age of our cat. Five. Um, of five. So yeah. less likely, but still possible. Well, when they're jumping, they could... Exactly. Do a bit they of, can yeah, cause lots of like problems. A sprain. One thing I'd wonder about, and it's actually 
slightly connected with our previous caller is one thing that's exceedingly common in cats that have previously not been lame and not shown any signs of of lameness is cat bite abscesses Mm. incredibly common so cats have a huge amount of quite nasty bacteria living in their mouths and when they bite something else i.e another cat it can cause a massive abscess and infection it can make everything very swollen very very sore um sometimes those abscesses can burst out as if we're I think either way with the lameness, because there is obvious swelling and lameness and uh, given lameness a degree of pain, I would visit your vet for an assessment. They'll check over the leg, have a feel of the swelling, make sure the range of motion is good and they'll be able to guide you as to what's wrong or if any other investigations are required. So I definitely think that warrants a visit to the vet. As for the the Uh, area of skin skin showing through, that's really interesting. I would wonder if there's any skin kind of showing through anywhere else on the body it's a little bit of an unusual area sometimes we see that if um cats wear a collar Mm. a little bit of rubbing and the skin is quite fragile in that area so i would wonder if it's maybe to do with that but if it's new and they've always worn a collar it could indicate a change now i suppose first things first if there's hair loss i probably recommend just making sure you're up to date with your spot on so your flea mite and lice treatment just in case there is any secret itching going on and that's causing a little bit of hair loss other than that, I think it might be worth, I suppose, on the same visit to your vet about Just the legs, get it. them to have a good yeah. look at the skin. You never know, there might be an underlying skin problem, like a localised infection or irritation. Um, and worth, they may just, just worth need, getting it checked. Yeah, worth, just worth getting, getting checked. it checked. Okay, uh, quick question. Afghan hounds. Oh, they're uh, beautiful. Would Mike, know, Mike in Bantry wants to know, uh, would Jay know, are they very expensive to buy? You know, I haven't come across an Afghan hound in years. They are absolutely beautiful creatures when my mum was my age she used to have one yeah um yeah so big dogs big dogs big dogs but beautiful absolutely beautiful they have the most long flowing locks um and they're really high maintenance with the grooming not something to be entered into lightly possibly one of the most high maintenance breeds that exists as okay. regards grooming because it has long flowing locks. Kennel like Club, you'd have to go to? Go to the Kennel Club, um, give them a call. They'll let you know if there are any local breeders and what le- what litters might be available. And then I think it's best to speak directly to the breeder. But yes, I suspect. Expensive. Uh, they're expensive, yeah. And then obviously, if you're going down that route, make mm. sure that you check out who you're buying from. Don't meet them in a car park. Exactly. Don't pick them up at the, exactly. and at the last minute. You, you know, they say they'll meet you somewhere. Don't mm-hmm. let alarm bells start to ring. Jane, mm-hmm. is always a pleasure. Thank you for that. Thank you. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank Thanks for joining us. That's Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick uh, Richards is with you for the afternoon and don't forget at two o'clock he will be ringing the bells for Christmas covered. Make sure you're counting them. He'll be doing that at two o'clock. I'll speak to you tomorrow morning at 10. Until then I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Cork Today on C103 with Cork City Council and Glow. A Cork Christmas Celebration, festive food and fun, the Ferris wheel, and so much more on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow, open every weekend until Christmas. Hello, this is Eric Griffin. Join me Monday to Friday between 7 and 8 for some great songs on C103 Anthems. Hello, this is Sean Keane. Hello, this is Cathy Durkin. Hi, this is Louise Morrissey. Hi, this is Mick Flavin. Hello, this is Declan Ernie here and you're listening to Eric Griffin on Country and Irish on C103. Don't miss Anthems at 7 and the very best of Country and Irish from 8 right here on C103. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.